In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. For the one and only, Ian Wright. Nobody loves scoring more than this man, Ian Wright. Put your testicles in the sea gap. And no one worked harder than Ian Wright. But then again, it's not often you have to compete with the likes of Ian Wright. It's Wright's territory. He is the governor in these parts. This is Ian Wright, and you can guess the rest. What is going on, NFL fans? We are back for another divisional breakdown. Hopefully you've had a chance to get on there, check out the AFC and NFC East. A lot of moving and shaking in those teams. Um, So now we're just moving right along the NFL as we get prepared for the draft. So we're going to move now over to a very interesting kind of combo divisions. We've taken a lot of your guys' feedback, so thank you so much for sending that over. So we're going to consolidate a little of these just so you don't get overwhelmed leading up to the draft. So we're going to go over to the NFC and the AFC West division. As we know, these are the two divisions that represent were represented in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the 49ers. So, you know, we'll start right there in the AFC West and say, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl. They have Patrick Mahomes. Like, what could they be doing? What was their offseason like? So just to recap, we're going to just do a little bit of breakdown of where they were last year. You know, any big things that happened in the offseason, cover the guys who are coming and going and where these teams may look to go in the draft. So start with the Chiefs. You know, obviously they're coming off that Super Bowl win, finishing last year at 12-4. and four. Their offense could not be stopped at times. This was just a highly potent offense. This was putting up points left and right. And surprisingly, a defense that finished in the top eight in points allowed. So a lot of times, you know, there was a perception that the Kansas City defense, you know, was very porous. And it started that way earlier in the season. But, but you know, by the end, Spagnola really kind of got that team um, where they needed to be, had them performing at a high level, obviously high enough a level to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, kind of the secret thing about them, Dave Taub had that special teams as the number one ranked special teams unit in the league. So Kansas City, the problem they run into is there's not a lot of cap space there when you have as many good players as they do. They're in the process now of restructuring their team for what life's going to look like with a $30-plus million contract for Patrick Mahomes. So they were only able to go out and add a few guys, low-end guys. Um, They brought over Mike Remmers, the right tackle from the Giants, just to give them a little bit of offensive line depth. They went and grabbed uh, an in-division running back, DeAndre Washington, who was, you know, seldomly used a little bit over there in Oakland, now the Las Vegas Raiders. And then they went and grabbed uh, Ricky Seals-Jones. You know, he was a five-star wide receiver prospect out of A&M who's been with Arizona, was with Cleveland last year. So now he's going down to, uh, to Kansas City. Or hopefully he can, you know, maybe fill the void they lost with Demetrius Harris a couple years ago. Um, so guys, they kind of kept around, they were able to restructure Sammy Watkins's deal. There was a lot of speculation out there that they were going to be moving on from Sammy Watkins. So they restructured him, kept him in house. They were also able to apply their tag to Chris Jones, the big man in the middle, the defensive tackle, who was just an absolute beast in there. Um, they brought back Bashad Breland, um, backup quarterback, Chad Henney, um, the beast that is Anthony Sherman, their, uh, runs run hole creating fullback um, Sherman 
has a little bit of versatility in catching the ball, also in blocking. So they bring him back. And then they also bring back another one of their wide receivers, Demarcus Robinson, who was a very good compliment when Tyreek Hill was battling some injuries. He had a couple games last year where he put over 100 yards and kept fantasy owners pretty happy. So that was pretty good um, that they were able to keep a lot of their own. But as you know, when you're in cap hell, you have issues maintaining players. They didn't have a full exodus of players. You know, they lost Blake Bell, the tight end, went over to Dallas. Uh, one of their rotational offensive linemen, Stefan Wisniewski, went down to the Steelers. Uh, their starting linebacker, Reggie Ragland, went to Detroit. Emmanuel Agba, their defensive end, is heading oh, down to South Beach to play with the Dolphins. And then they lost Jordan Lucas, their safety. He went over to Chicago. So only five guys on the way out. They were only at, able to add three. And from a draft standpoint, it's pretty conventional. They have five picks in the 2020 draft. They are picking, of course, last as they did win the Super Bowl. They only have picks through the first through fifth rounds. For them, it'll be about maximizing value. My guess is they're probably going to trade out of that number 32 spot. It just makes the most sense. Given the fact that the Seahawks and other teams have kind of utilized that back half of the first round to really let teams come out and pull players that they want to get before it's an open session on day two. So, you know, if one of the quarterbacks slides, whether it's a Justin Herbert, a Jordan Love, maybe somebody wants to jump up and get Jake Easton, Jake Fromm, one of those guys. My guess is anybody but the Chargers is open to that spot. Highly doubt the Chiefs are going to trade within the division. Um, if they do stay in that spot, I could see them. They, you know, they did lose uh, Kendall Fuller. He went back to uh, Washington as well. They're going to need a corner. They're going to need, I'd say, another pass rusher. They had D Ford. He's now gone out to San Francisco. They're losing Emmanuel Agba. So they're a little thin now with, at the edge position. And then also a linebacker, obviously, with Reggie Ragland leaving. They still do have Anthony Hitchens in there. But I would say corner, edge, and linebacker are their top needs. If they stay at that pick, you could see him maybe taking a flyer on a guy like Zach Bond. He's an athletic linebacker from Wisconsin. He did have a diluted sample test at the combine. So a lot of people think that will cause his stock to fall. It hasn't really had too much of an impact on guys in the past. You know, Jabril Peppers is a guy that comes to mind who had a diluted sample, who still went 25 overall to the Browns in 2017. So you could really see the chiefs maybe grab taking advantage of a situation, grabbing a guy like Zach Bond, bringing him in. It gives you a little bit of that edge and linebacker role. So look for guys like that to really kind of fill the Chiefs' needs. So moving on to the Chargers. The Chargers had a, a pretty bad year relative to the talent they have on the roster. They finished last in that division at 5-11. and 11. Unfortunately, on offense and defense, they really just never found a rhythm, even given the talent that they have. They finished below average in both offense and defense. They've made the decision, you know what, Phillip Rivers, we're going to move on. They don't see a future anymore. He's up there in age. The former NC State quarterback is now in Indianapolis. This does allow them to do two things. The two, you know, they do have $22.3 million in cap space, which really helps. But the number one thing the Chargers did this offseason, they came out with the best-looking uniforms in the NFL. I don't care. This is not up for argument. Those just are a thing of beauty. Those uniforms are fantastic in every fashion. Look good, feel good, play good. I have no doubt the Chargers this year are going to have a much better year than the 5-11 and last year. Now, 
Why also are they going to do that? They've added some really good pieces. They went out and got the big man, Linval Joseph, the defensive tackle out of Minnesota. They said, hey, Chris Harris, you've been locking down our corners in the division for far too long. Come join the team. Chris Harris is making the jump from Denver over to the Chargers. They made a, a rare off-season player-for-player trade. They sent their left tackle, Russell Okung, to Carolina and got back all-pro guard Trey Turner. So while it solidifies the interior O-line, it also does create a little bit of a void on the outside. But then they say, you know what, Brian Bulaga, the right tackle from Green Bay, come on down. So they bring Bulaga out there to complement their strong interior line. So now they're good on the right side. They're good on the inside. Still a little bit of a hole there on left tackle. Nick Vigil's a linebacker they got out of Cincinnati. Being that I watch a lot of AFC North football, he's just a guy that's around the ball a lot making plays. So that's probably a little bit of an under-the-radar signing for them. And then finally, they brought in Darius Jennings. He's kind of a kick returner from Tennessee, so he should hopefully give them an element on special teams um, as they have to fill the void by one of the guys that I will be mentioning here shortly that's gone. They brought back Austin Eckler. They were able to sign him to a tag. Hunter, I'm sorry, a contract. Hunter Henry is the one that got the franchise tag. So he's coming back, and they were also to keep in-house Denzel Perriman, who's kind of been a staple linebacker for them for the last few years. Now, this is the part of their team where they're really going to have to make up because they lost some serious talent. Obviously, Phillip Rivers off to Indianapolis. They traded Russell Okung, as I said. They also lost Thomas Davis, their middle linebacker, who's headed back to play under Ron Rivera in Washington. But they did lose Travis Benjamin. And a lot of people don't know, Travis Benjamin is a insanely fast outside receiver who also did the kick return and the punt return. So you're going to look at Darius Jennings really kind of filling that Travis Benjamin role. Melvin Gordon, their star running back, former first round pick. They say, hey, you're going to take Chris Harris. Well, now we're going to take Melvin Gordon. So Melvin Gordon's on his way to Denver. The under the radar signing I mentioned with the New England Patriots is Adrian Phillips. The Chargers, I think, are going to miss him. While, yes, they do have Derwin James, Adrian Phillips is is a playmaker, and I think losing him is going to have an impact on that defense. They also lost Jalen Watkins, the safety. He's headed to Houston. Jatavius Brown, the kid from Akron, will be heading to Philly. And they lost their Watt brother. Derek Watt, the fullback, is headed off to the Steelers. So a lot of holes to fill for the Los Angeles Chargers. I have to say that over and over just so I get it right. Come draft time, they do have seven picks, one per round, very conventional. At this point, they have not traded or acquired any extra picks. So they will be picking number six in the first round. That does give them a number six and the number 37 pick. So to give them a chance to add two players to kind of help fill some of these voids. Where are their needs? Right now, the starting quarterback is Tyrod Taylor. He is the definition of game manager. The question is, do they feel that a quarterback is worthy of that top 10 pick? It's a good question. They could also use a left tackle, given the fact that they lost Russell Okung. They do have Brian Balag on the right side. Could they be interested in one of these big tackles that's sitting there in the top 10? They also need a wide receiver. I know that you know Mike Williams has had some success here and there in Keenan Allen. They just really haven't had a lot of consistency out of Mike Williams. He has some boomer bust games. So if you could get a guy in that second or third round, the depth in this draft with wide receiver could really give them a viable third option. Because with a guy like Tyrod Taylor, you need to surround him with weapons in order to be successful. So if they decide to go quarterback in the top 10, that could really alter what they do later on in the draft. They also have a need for defensive tackle. So the question is, is how, how high up do they see a guy like Javon Kinlaw or a guy like Derek Brown? 
you know, this could be something they maybe throw a little shocker. And if the Chargers were to take Derek Brown at number six, I haven't seen too many people make that connection. But they do have a need right there in the middle. Linval Joseph was their free agent they brought in. So would be a good guy for Derek Brown to learn under his first couple years. Also, middle linebacker, obviously losing Thomas Davis. Their linebacking core is pretty thin right now. So they could look to add a linebacker. The problem is, is none of those guys in that top 10, really 37, will probably be viable for them. Going to another interesting team in the division, the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos have the fifth highest ranked defense in the league. They finished the season seven and nine. But on the flip side, they were the 28th ranked offense scoring last year. So a lot of issues on offense. Was it Joe Flacco? Then they had Brandon Allen. Then they had Drew Locke. So a little inconsistency at the quarterback position is going to lead to the 28th ranked offense. That's pretty easy to see. They also have $17.8 million in cap space. So they still are in a decent position if they needed to make a little move. From a player acquisition standpoint, they were able to bring in the big man, Jarrell Casey from Tennessee. That's an under the radar type of move. Jarrell Casey has been an absolute beast in Tennessee for a number of years. Yes, he's probably on the downside of his career, but adding him to that defensive line in Denver is only going to boost the play around him. They did lose another one of their defensive ends, which we'll get to, but they were able to make a trade with the Jacksonville Jaguars, bringing in A.J. Bouye. He helps fill the void left by the departure of Chris Harris. They did bring in Melvin Gordon, their divisional running back. What's odd with Denver is is they do have Phillip Lindsay, who was very successful, rushed for over 1,000 yards as an undrafted free agent rookie. I find it odd that they bring in Melvin Gordon, but maybe they just feel they need a little bit more of a pop as they've kind of taken flyers on day two and day three guys the last few years, and it really hasn't panned out much. They also called up the Pits, uh, Nick Vanette, brought him over from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He hopefully gives them a little bit of defying presence in the tight end position. Graham Glasgow, the center, they brought over from Detroit. And also as a backup quarterback, they brought in Jeff Driscoll. He'll hopefully be able to back up Drew Locke, depending on what else they do. There are a few free agent quarterbacks out there, so could they go one of those routes? It's possible. But as of right now, I think they're pretty high up on Drew Locke, so they're going to let him run for the year. They were able to retain Bryce Callahan, the cornerback, Shelby Harris. He was kind of a a guy that was garnering some interest around the league, but he decided to stay in Denver. So Shelby Harris will be coming back. One of my guys, Jeremiah Atachu, Jeremiah Achu, as Chris Berman used to say, the outside linebacker, he's going to stick around. They used their franchise tag on Justin Simmons, the stud safety. They also brought back Elijah Wilkinson, the offensive tackle, and Mike Purcell, the defensive end. Now, they did lose a couple guys. Some bigger names when you look at it. They did lose the safety, Will Parks. He's headed off to Philly. Uh, Connor McGovern, the kind of versatile interior offensive lineman, is heading to the Jets. They did make a trade. It's not often you see fullback trades, but Andy Janovich, the fullback, headed to Cleveland for a seventh-round pick in 2021. Also, their rock-solid, steady defensive end, Derek Wolf. This guy has been, you know, coming out of the Cincinnati Bearcat program. He's been kind of a fixture on that line for several years. Never flashed like brilliance, but always was just a rock-solid player right there in the middle um, to anchor that Denver defense. Chris Harris obviously headed over to the Chargers. We had mentioned that one. And then Joe Flacco, uh, they've decided they're going to move on from him. So what are they going to do in the draft? They do have 10 picks. So the Broncos have done a lot of work in acquiring talent. They have the number 15 pick in the draft. 
They have three third round picks. So when I look at that and I say, okay, I've got a 15 pick and three thirds, that tells me that John Elway is either open for business to move up or possibly wants to package some picks up to improve later on. Because, you know, having three picks over the course of, I believe, 20 gives you some flexibility. If, say, they really have their heart set because where their needs are at, they need a wide receiver. Corlin Sutton's kind of that big-bodied guy, so you could really see them adding one of the Alabama speedsters, you know, a Henry Ruggs, a Jerry Judy. You know, both of those guys are 4-3, guys would help stretch the defense. They do have a hole that they have to fill. They lost Emmanuel Sanders midseason to a trade. So I would say wide receiver is probably their top need. Their interior O-line, they did lose McGovern. They brought in Graham Glasgow on a decent-sized contract. So maybe a little bit of one of those third-round picks that they do keep them on a guard or some sort of an interior line flexibility. I would say they're also probably going to look cornerback. Um, or offensive tackle. Those are probably two other positions I would take a look at. You know, could they at 15, if they're not able to find a trade partner, be one of the first guys to, you know, dip their toe in the water of the cornerbacks? Because I say between 15 and about 2022, you're going to see quite the run at cornerbacks in the first round of the draft. So do they take a highly rated corner or do they sit back and let one of the wide receivers fall to them? That's kind of the precarious position that the Denver Broncos are in. And last but not least in the AFC West, the Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders. Despite having one of the lower-ranking offenses and defense in the league and being 30th on special teams, the Raiders finished 7-9, and nine, which was probably shocking considering at times when you watch that team play, they looked no better than about a 3-13 and 13 team. So obviously Gruden figured out some things out there to get the guys to play, but when it came time for the offseason – Mike Mayock and John Gruden were ready to go. They had a laundry list of needs that they wanted to fill, and they went out and signed anybody under the sun. So I'm going to just run through these quick because we'll be here all day mentioning these guys. Most of these names are guys that people in the NFL have heard of. Marcus Mariota, quarterback from Tennessee, come on down. It is going to be so crazy seeing Jason Witten, the tight end out of Dallas, in Raiders colors. He's headed there. Corey Littleton, the linebacker from the Rams, you come on down. Nelson Aguilar, I'm sure Philly fans were very happy that he's going. He's in Oakland now, or Las Vegas. They went out and grabbed two guys from the Browns, Demarius Randall and Eric Cush, the offensive lineman. They grabbed the safety from Dallas, Jeff Heath, Carl Nassib, Malik Collins from Dallas, Nick O'Leary, and Nick Kwiatkowski, the linebacker from Chicago. So you're talking about 11 players that they were able to bring in as free agents. So just a lot of work by Mike Mack and the guys. They were also able to maintain a lot of their own guys that they kind of had targeted last year. Nicholas Morrow, the linebacker. I'm not 100% sure why, but they're going to bring back Nathan. I throw a lot of interceptions. Peterman, Daniel Carlson, the kicker that they were able to acquire uh, from Minnesota after he was cut. Former Buckeye Rod Smith, the brother of Jalen Smith, is going to stick around. Richie Incognito, Nevin Lawson, and Jalen Richard. Um, and also, this, it was kind of a, uh, an interesting story last year. Keelan Doss, the wide receiver from Oakland, he had a very interesting 72 hours. So he's on hard knocks. Everybody's seeing him. Then Jacksonville wanted him. Then Oakland wanted him back. Then Jacksonville wanted him again. This guy almost quadrupled his pay over the course of about three days with teams fighting to keep him on the roster. So they're bringing him back. Cool story there if you want to look it up. 
Now, they did lose a couple guys to here Whitehead, who had been a big free agent signing linebacker for them a few years ago. Carl Joseph, the firm, former first-round safety. Eric Tomlinson, the tight end. And DeAndre Washington is headed to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, in the first round, they do have two first-round picks. This will be the last piece of their Khalil Mack trade. They do have the 12th and the 19th selection. They also have three third-round picks. So the Raiders do have seven picks total, five of them, though, in the first and the third rounds. So where are they going to look? They definitely have a need at wide receiver. Could they be in the market for a guy like a CeeDee Lamb? You know, I know the Jets are sitting there one pick ahead of them. Could Denver trade up into the 9 or 10 spot? Could they be left with a third? My guess is they're in a pretty good position there to take one of the three wide receivers. At 19, I could see them maybe going cornerback. You know, like I said, there's going to be a run of corners between that 15 and 22 spots. Or could they say, you know what, we want a free safety. Do they like Xavier McKinney? You know, could they bite on a guy like Grant Delpit? Could they look at, you know, a Jeremy Chin? Not necessarily a free safety, but, you know, with what they're doing over there in Las Vegas, they really could have some, with Demarius Randall and Jeff Heath, they could kind of go with a nice three safety look. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them go with a safety there. Also, they need some interior O-line, probably too high. One of those third-round picks they could look at go with the interior offensive line. It's one of the weaker spots of the 2020 draft. So plenty of options for the new homed Las Vegas Raiders. Now let's head over to the NFC where you have the unfortunate losing team of Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers. They finished the year 13-3, and tough loss 31-20 to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But this team was just buzzing on all sides. Kyle Shanahan had them playing so far above their talent level. It was crazy. Second highest scoring offense in the league. Second ranked defense, you know, according to PFF. They still do have $13.3 million in cap space, which is just absolutely crazy considering most of the time teams have to mortgage their entire future to get to the Super Bowl. Not with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. They were able to do it with the likes of Raheem Mostert or Kendrick Bourne, you know, getting just big production out of guys who aren't necessarily your big ticketed, highly paid guys. So what did they do? They said, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm just going to add two players. Kyle Shanahan is familiar with Travis Benjamin from the Chargers from his time in Cleveland. They bring him over and they bring over a versatile offensive lineman, Tom Compton from the New York Jets. That's it. They didn't dabble a lot in free agency. They were more focused on kind of keeping their guys in house. They retained Jarek McKinnon, Jimmy Ward, their free safety. They also retained a guy, Jason Verrett, former first rounder out of TCU. Hasn't played near to his potential, but they're going to keep him around and see. They do have a little bit of a void at corner, so I think that's one of the reasons they'll bring Verrett back. They also decided between their two defensive linemen to pay Eric Armstead a big deal, so he's going to be sticking around for a number of years. Kyle Shanahan really, really believes in a versatile center. So Ben Garland, they prioritized him coming back. Ronald Blair, who's kind of an up-and-coming pass rusher off the end, they weren't going to let him hit free agency. I know there was a little bit of an injury concern with a concussion. They weren't going to let him get out there and let other teams get their hands on him. So he's coming back. They brought back two of their flex running backs, Matt Breida and Jeff Wilson. Also, their up-and-coming receiver, Kendrick Bourne, and cornerback, Emmanuel Mosley. So as you can see, a lot of action to keep the guys in-house, 10 players total they wanted to bring back, because they did have a few guys depart. Emmanuel Sanders, 
They brought him over midseason from the Broncos in a trade. He's going to move on over to the New Orleans Saints. They had the big offseason trade of DeForest Buckner. That's how they are picking at the number 13 slot. So DeForest Buckner was one of their top, and he was, I think, I believe the number seven pick in the draft, um, was ready for a big extension. They said, you know what, you're first-round pick worthy. Sent him off to Chris Ballard in the Colts. We're able to bring back that 13 pick, Levine Tuolo. So he's headed to the Giants. Sheldon Day, the big man in the middle, he's on his way out. Anthony Zettel, the defensive end who's kind of bounced around the league a little bit, he's on his way out. And then Elijah Lee, the linebacker, he's on his way out as well. You look to the draft, and it's a very interesting smorgasbord of picks for the Niners. So they have two first-round picks and then absolutely nothing until day three, which is odd because if you go all the way from the first to the fifth, you're talking about watching player after player after player come off the board. So what could John Lynch and the guys do? My guess is they're either going to trade 13 or 31. Those are the two picks they have in the first round. If the guy they want is off the board, maybe they have their heart set on Henry Ruggs and he's off the board and don't really want to go with CeeDee Lamb. You could see them moving back or dealing out that 31 pick to a team wanting to jump up and get that um, quarterback that's dropped or whoever at the end of the first round. They do have some guys that are currently being marketed as on the trade block. So San Francisco could be an interesting team to watch. They do have George Kittle's extension looming. So could they move on from some of their current players, add a little bit of cheaper draft capital, but definitely is possible. If they do stick in those needs, they do, like I said, need a wide receiver. Probably could use some help at corner. I know they have Richard Sherman. He's getting up there in age. So it'd be nice to bring in somebody young there. Could they be one of the first ones to go cornerback at 13? Could they really shock everybody and say, you know, we'll find our wide receiver later in the draft. Could they go with a guy like CJ Henderson, Trevon Diggs, you know, AJ Terrell, one of those corners, definitely a possibility. Also, they could use some help on the interior line. Like I said, just such a weak draft class for that. Probably looking more day three for that. I could also see them maybe go with a linebacker. You do have some talent kind of in that second wave of linebackers. So if they were able to drop back from, say, 31 to middle of the second round, could you look at them maybe going with a guy like Jordan Brooks or, you know, Willie Gay, um, Zach Bond? I think he might fall out of the first round. If he does, he might not be a bad choice for them in the second round. So San Francisco's got a lot of options. I look for them to be quite the movers and shakers on draft day. Two first-round picks, huge void, tells me that John Lynch wants to be moving around. Now let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks. They were in a crazy divisional race with the Niners last year. Ended up finishing up 11-5. and five. You know, did suffer the loss in the divisional round to Green Bay. This is a team that was able to just put up points no matter who was on the field. Finished the season ranked eighth in offense. Still has about $12.4 million in cap space. So the Seahawks kind of had a pretty balanced offseason in terms of adding players, players departing. And when it comes to their draft needs, Seattle, you can almost set your clock to. So some of the guys they brought in, they went out and grabbed a couple veterans, Greg Olson and Bruce Irvin from Carolina. Gives Russell Wilson kind of a safety blanket there at tight end. Also gives him a situational pass rusher. In my opinion, they absolutely fleeced the Washington Redskins getting Quinton Dunbar. 
Quinton was the top performing cornerback for the Redskins last year, and they were able to get him for a fifth round pick. So kind of wild to think that Washington was able to sell so low on Quinton Dunbar. They went out and grabbed the versatile offensive lineman B.J. Finney from the Steelers, the speedster Philip Dorsett, the wide receiver from New England, Cedric Abugi, who was a former first-round pick. Then he went down to Jacksonville. He's now headed out to Seattle. I think they just take as many plugs and chugs of the offensive line as they can because they also brought in Brandon Shell, the tackle from the Jets. They were able to keep a few of their own guys, Jerron Reed, the big man in the middle, cornerback uh, Nico Thorpe, um, guard Mike Ayupati, former first-rounder with San Francisco, re-signs with the Seahawks, and then two tight ends, Luke Wilson and Jacob Hollister, who, if you remember last year with the Seahawks, they had a lot of issues keeping tight ends healthy. So bringing back two guys there, Hollister's kind of your H-back flex, gives Wilson versatility in terms of is he going to stay in and block or is he going to flex out and catch a pass. Now they do have a couple guys that are still out there pending as free agents, the big name being Jadavian Clowney. They also have Ezekiel Lance, uh, the first, former first-round pick, and Michael Kendricks, who's been a staple linebacker for them for the number of years. Who knows? He could be still waiting on his FBI sentencing for insider trading. But Clowney's one that I know is garnering a lot of interest around the league. He just hasn't put his pen to paper yet, so we'll see where he ends up. A couple guys they lost. Um, they did the offensive lineman switch with the Jets. They say, hey, we'll take Brandon Shell. You take George Fant. George Fant's headed to the Jets. They also lost the big man in the middle, Al Woods. Uh, another offensive lineman they lost, Jermaine Effetti. And then also Quinton Jefferson, the end, is headed to Buffalo. So a few names there that they lost, but I'm sure John Snyder and his tendency to trade down on draft day. If you look at his track record, I believe each of his picks in the first round for the last eight years have been traded. It's, it's, it's a crazy stat. Don't hold me to the exact number, but John Snyder in trading first round picks is about as sure of a thing as you'll find. So they currently hold this 27th pick in the draft. Obviously when you're good consistently like Seattle is, you have that leverage. Could they allow a team like green Bay to come up or could they allow a team like the Colts to come up? If one of those quarterbacks starts sliding, maybe a Jordan love, something like that. I'm sure John Snyder would love to collect some more picks. They do have two seconds right now. They have seven picks. They gave up one to bring in Quentin Dunbar. They always have a need on offensive line. So when you look to Seattle, it's do they look at one of these versatile offensive linemen, inside or outside? I don't think Seattle really will ever get enough linemen. They've been they've had a hard time kind of finalizing and you know settling on a group that's gonna work. They brought in Dwayne Brown from Houston. He's unfortunately struggled with injury. So could they look to go offensive line? Also on the defensive side of the ball, they don't really have a slot cornerback that's going to you know, write home about. So could they look to add some picks and develop somebody in that slot position? Also on the defensive side of the ball, they can use another big man in the middle. So defensive tackle is another need I have for them. Just some avenues that they could go in the draft because they have to keep up. You have, you know, the NFC West is one of those divisions where top down, it's pretty good. And some of the moves that the other teams have made could, could challenge them a little bit. You know, let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams. This is a team with a plethora of talent last year. Ended up 9-7, and seven, pretty much middle of the road offensively. It was kind of odd because when you look at the talent that the Rams have, you would expect it more. The defense did statistically end up top 10, but when you have some of the names that they do, that shouldn't be all that shocking. They are in salary cap hell. 
They have $24.2 million of dead cap space. That's something that Les Snead is going to have to manipulate around. Unfortunately, that did lead to the release of Todd Gurley and Clay Matthews III. It's just, unfortunately, the business of football. When you have a lot of guys making a lot of money, you can't keep all your guys. Running backs are a dime a dozen. Todd Gurley's arthritic knee finally caught up to him. They did go out and add two players. They added Leonard Floyd, the outside linebacker from the Bears, vastly underperformed in Chicago, former top 10 pick. So hopefully he can find a home in L.A. and maybe you know, rejuvenate his career. They brought in the big man, Sean Robinson, out of Alabama. He was over in Detroit. He's headed out west. Most importantly, they were able to solidify their left tackle spot. They brought back Andrew Whitworth. He's kind of been – just the steady Eddie left tackle that Jared Goff needs at first, you know, they thought they were going to be losing Michael Brockers. He was originally going to go out to Baltimore. Then that deal fell through. So he's on his way back to the Rams, Austin Blythe, another one at guard. They're going to retain. So who are the guys they lost? They made a weird cap saving trade with Houston. And I'm not hundred percent sure why Bill O'Brien did this, but Brandon cooks is headed out to Houston. So he's gone. Dante Fowler, the pass rusher, is headed to Atlanta. Mikel Roby Coleman, the slot corner, versatile guy, is headed back to Philly. Corey Littleton's headed out to the Raiders. Greg the Leg Zerline, he's headed to Dallas. Their returner, JoJo Natson, is headed to Cleveland. And then obviously Todd Gurley's going to Atlanta. And Clay Matthews III was released as well. This tells you right now they've got a lot of holes to fill. The problem is, they don't have a first-round pick to do it. They traded it for Jalen Ramsey. So now you have the 52nd pick in the draft to try to fill these needs. They did pick up that extra pick for Brandon Cooks. So where do they need? They could use an offensive tackle. Obviously, Andrew Whitworth is getting up there in age. Could they take one of these developmental guys at 52 and look to kind of bring him in? You know, someone in the mold of maybe a Lucas Nang. Could they look at... Prince Tega Wananu, the kid from Auburn. There's a lot of guys in that day, that round three, four, where they could pick up a guy that hopefully can step in and maybe develop under Andrew Whitworth. I could also see them going with maybe a center interior offensive line later in the draft. And then they need some pass rushers and linebackers. At 52, it's kind of tough because you're obviously sitting back, letting the draft come all the way to you. But there is a nice little group of linebackers there in that second round. They could go with you know, Akeem Davis, Gaither, Jordan Brooks, uh, maybe Logan Wilson, I think would be a good fit for them at 52. So just some things for the Rams to think about as they try to get, uh, unearth themselves from salary cap hell. Last but not least, the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona last year, 5-10-1, one of the worst defenses in the league. But on the flip side of the ball, you had Kyler Murray, who was showing some promise. He's moving, he's shaking, he's taking a lot of sacks. You know, something you expect to see out of a rookie quarterback. They traded David Johnson. They brought back Kenyon Drake. So this is a team that has a lot of, you know, moving parts going on. Now, the one thing about their O-line is when you have Kyler Murray, that extends plays. So when you look at their grades on pass blocking versus run blocking, it's significantly better on the pass blocking side. So hopefully their O-line can be a little bit more consistent because, man, did they get some weapons in Arizona. They've got only $8.9 million in cap space. Um, you know, some of that's going to be chewed up by draft picks. They were able to add the big move, getting DeAndre Hopkins from the clueless Bill O'Brien. Not sure what he was doing, but they were able to make that trade, bring in Devon Kennard, the linebacker from Detroit, Jordan Phillips, the big man from Buffalo, 
uh, linebacker DeVeandre Campbell from Atlanta, and the big man in the middle, Trevon Coley, who they brought over from the Colts. Most importantly, though, they were able to keep some of their own. They brought back the perennial staple of the Cardinals, Larry Fitzgerald. He's going to finish his career in Arizona. Also, they decided, you know, we're a little unsure on how our offensive line is going to look. So they made it a focus to bring back Marcus Gilbert, DJ Humphreys, and Max Garcia, all guys that played significant roles with them on their offensive line last year. In terms of their franchise tag, I believe they used a transition tag on Kenyon Drake, knowing that nobody would offer him a big deal. He runs hard. My guess is this is probably a short-term solution. Um, Kenyon Drake is just, you know, had a little success in Miami, gets traded midseason, then has finishes the year strong for the Cardinals. Look for them to maybe go with a running back late in the draft because as of right now, they have not put a big uh, contract on Kenyon Drake. Friend of the Paul Brown podcast, Zane Gonzalez, obviously the biggest signing in Arizona Cardinals history. He's heading back. So good to see Zane sticking in his hometown state of Arizona. Guys they lost, David Johnson. Now, with running backs, DJ a couple years ago, one of the top backs in the league. No idea how they were able to work off trading a running back that's on the declining part of his career. But give Steve Kime credit, he was able to do it. He also had a couple uh, defensive ends head over to Jacksonville, Rodney Gunter and Cassius Marsh. They're headed to Jacksonville. Zach Kerr, the linebacker, is headed to Carolina. And Farrell Cooper, kind of a situational receiver for them, is also headed to Carolina. So now we take a look at the Cardinals and their draft. They have the eighth pick in the draft, and they do have six picks total, two of them being in the fourth round. So that eighth pick is kind of a wild card right now. Not too many people really know what's going on. There's an idea that they could go with maybe a Jedrick Wills or an offensive line one. I don't think so. I think the guy they maybe would tab might not be there at eight. So could they go with a development tackle later on? Sure. I think they're going defense in the top 10. I think they could go with maybe C.J. Henderson at corner. Patrick Peterson's getting up there in age. Could you see them go with Isaiah Simmons, the wild card? He's a guy that I think would fit right in in their defense and add some versatility. Partnering him with Buda Baker would seriously give you some athleticism there in the middle of that defense. Could they go Derek Brown? They do have a need. You know, they need corners. They need DTs, um, offensive tackles linebackers, defensive tackles, mainly everything on the defensive side of the ball. They've got a stud in Chandler Jones and nobody to run with him. So could they maybe look at go, trading back, picking up a Caleb on chase? And is there a pass rusher they really like that nobody's talking about that could go at eight? It's possible. If there's a guy out there they like, the Cardinals are kind of the biggest wild card there in that eight pick. So it'll be really curious to see what they're going to do on draft day. I think they're the wild card. If there's going to be a shocking pick in the first round, in the top 10, my guess is it's coming from the Arizona Cardinals. So we've now run through the AFC West and the NFC West. We greatly appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully you left a little bit smarter. Now you always sit there and go, oh, I wonder whatever happened to that guy. Well, now you know. We've laid it all out there for you. Subscribe. Check it out. We'll have the AFC and NFC South, the AFC and NFC North out shortly. So enjoy the draft, Regulators. and most importantly, stay safe. Property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Got to be handy with the steel if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets trying to consume some skirts for the E so I could get some phones rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. 